comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time. The Long Box of Doom. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the comic book universe. everyone and welcome to episode 259 of the long box of doom this is russ and i have with me tonight mr jordan from jersey and mr jim deets good evening guys aloha hello and the balcony is open yes yes so hopefully at this point uh you've listened to half hour wasted episode 363 which and if you haven't go do that now we'll wait okay if you listen to it excellent yeah luckily i was able to to be there in person for hhw 363 uh where we talked about the top 20 but we are gonna we're gonna talk about our individual uh top 20s that contributed to the list tonight so i think the way we're gonna do this is i think we're we're gonna we're gonna lightning round kind of the lower half and then we're gonna give a little more round robin to the top half and and give ourselves a chance to talk about it more than likely anything that made the official top 20 uh we're not going to probably spend a whole lot of time about because we've already talked about that um, so what about before we get started, I just kind of recap that, that top 20 list for everybody, just so they kind of have a frame of references. Now, this is the aggregate top 20 amongst all from taken yes. and collated from all of our podcasting hosts all across the network, all the way from, uh, oldest, which should probably be Frank Rincon and myself down to youngest, which are probably Jordan's co- uh, co-host Pierce. Uh, I think that is correct. Um, yes. So, so a pretty wide geek demographic, actually, if you think about it, but Russ was kind enough to take all those lists and rank them numerically and figure out the math magic behind it all because he is, after all, a math magician and uh, figure out you know the top 20 collated aggregate best movies of all time according to all of our podcasting personalities on the network. I'm sorry, Russ, it's just it was such an Herculean effort. I figured you deserved full credit. Oh, thanks, man. No, it was it was a ton of fun. I I love doing stuff like that. I I've kind of I'm kind of a data geek and have been for a long time. So anytime I get to kind of play around with databases and and do cool stuff, I'm all in. Sweet. So what did we get? What was the top? What were the uh, refresher memories? What were the right. top? What was the top twenty? Number twenty. Number twenty. So, yeah. so that was cool. Uh, I had I had Bill do some VO and I added. I Brad and I pulled a bunch of clips, so that was fun. So. Uh, here we go. I'll just, like I said, we'll just rattle these off uh, just to get us started. Uh, well, I'll go lowest to highest. So number 20 was The Matrix, number 19, Jurassic Park, number 18, Jackie Brown, number 17, Batman, the 1989 Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson Batman, number 16, The Fellowship of the Ring, number 15, Halloween, number 14, The Incredibles, number 13, Goodfellas, number 12, The Dark Knight, number 11, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, number 10, Back to the Future, Number nine, The Avengers. Number eight, Pulp Fiction. Number seven, Blade Runner. Number six, The Godfather. Number five, Alien. Number four, Jaws. Number three, Star Wars. Number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And number one was The Empire Strikes Back. 
I've heard of that movie. Yeah, it's a you know little independent. Very film. popular with young people at the it, time. Yes, yes, very popular. So that that was that was the like I said that was the full list that we have. So, uh, like we said, each one of us uh, gave our our top twenty. So I think what we'll do is we'll raffle off twenty to eleven. We'll just kind of go lightning round on that, and then for ten to one, we'll just kind of go round robin and give ourselves uh, some time to talk about those. But again, a lot of them that made the actual top twenty will probably just not spend a whole lot of time talking about them. Um, so I will. We'll, let's start. Let's start with the youngest. Jordan, why don't you, why don't you go first and, and regale us of your uh, bottom twenty of your of your top twenty? Alrighty. And I should also mention, since pretty much all the shows are doing their own little episode, not necessarily a little episode. A lot of them, I think, are going to be quite long. Um, but about our top twenty movie lists. You can actually hear, not yet, but in the future, Pierce and I actually putting together and coming up with our lists on Jersey Shore. It's going to be the bonus episode that comes out between episodes 59 and 60, like we always put our bonus episodes out every 10. Um, so you can actually hear beginning to end how we came up with our lists, and that's a lot of a lot of fun. And uh, you'll get to hear a little bit more of our thought processes. My n- number 20, though, is a movie nobody's ever heard of. It's a movie called Bug. It was made in 2009, and it stars, uh, among many other character actors that you would know, uh, the one name you would probably recognize is Jamie Kennedy. He of Jamie uh, Jamie Kennedy Experiment, I believe it was called. Don't let that turn you off to it, though. Uh, he's a very small person in the movie. But uh, it's just a kind of a cool butterfly effect type. Uh, your actions in your life may affect other people in ways you don't realize type indie comedy quirky movie that I saw on a whim and really enjoyed so it ended up on there number 19 is Where the Wild Things Are a movie that makes me both want to be a kid again and never want to ever be a kid again at the same time Uh, number 18 is Chasing Amy um, which I believe is my only uh, Kevin Smith movie on the list but I I think it's my favorite it's just a solid movie Uh, number 17 Empire Strikes Back it's not low because I don't like it it's just low because there's movies I liked more uh, number 16, Gangs of New York uh, from uh, Martin Scorsese. I like this movie a lot. I, I recognize the faults that are within it, but I really do like Gangs of New York. 15 is Moon, a movie that if you have not seen, you should stop right now and go watch it because it's amazing. Uh, number 14 is Inception, and I think we've talked plenty about Inception on this podcast before. I love the movie. Uh, number 13, Inglorious Bastards from Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he says at the end, I think this might just be my masterpiece. And while I don't necessarily agree that it's his masterpiece, it's certainly in my top couple from him. Uh, number 12 is The Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, the Wes Anderson stop motion animation movie. Uh, it is just adorable, and I love it beginning to end. Uh, number 11, and rounding off my bottom 10 for my top 20, is a movie you may know, because we talked about it a lot, called Cabin in the Woods. Uh, it's just quite frankly, as far as I know, actually, just looking at my list, the only horror movie on my list, and being a person who loves horror movies, uh, that should tell you something. It is absolutely fantastic. So that's my bottom 10. Those are all pretty good movies. When you said Bug, I thought you meant the, um... The, uh, the Ashley Judd movie about the people that are locked in the motel room. We think they have some sort of disease that was based on the stage play. But No, it I is not that different. one. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty powerful movie, too. So. Isn't Michael Shannon in that? Isn't he yes. the male lead? Yes, yeah, he yeah. is. It's one of the first times I saw Michael Shannon actually was in that movie. But yeah, there are a lot of worthy movies on that list. I mean, I can't think of... There's nothing that sticks out to me as like, you know, really? He put that on that list? Because everything <laughs> you, know, you got there is in, you know, pretty quality. You know. Number 20 on my list is The Blues Brothers, and... Yeah, uh, I just could not. 
put this on a list. Yeah, I, I just could not have it on my list. Um, it's my number one favorite comedy of all time. It, you know, growing up as a kid, as a small kid in Chicago, this movie just, you know, is one of those things. It's kind of like a rite of passage for, for people that uh, live in or are from Chicago. Um, and it's just a ton of a ton of fun. I just I just love it love it to death. And I am not a fan of musicals by any stretch. So this is like my uh, musical exception uh, flick. Uh, number nineteen is Highlander. Um, again, another movie that I just love and I could watch over and over and over again. Um, and I, I, you know, just one of those must must have movies for me. Number eighteen, I have Planet of the Apes. Uh, I'm a huge huge Planet of the Apes fan, the whole franchise, but uh, this one obviously just sticks out for a variety of reasons. Um, the, the, that's the original Charlton Heston? Yes. yes, the 1968 Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Planet of the Apes. Not the um, Tim Burton remake with Mark, Marky Mark. Or the made-for-TV um, series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I actually like better than the uh, Marky Mark version. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, number 17, I have Patton. Uh, I'm a huge World War II buff, and my favorite World War II movie of all time is Patton. Um, there, there's a lot of fact, and there's a lot of truth in this movie. I mean, if you if you have ever read anything about Patton, a lot of the big quotes that come out of that movie um, are straight out of things he actually said and did. Um, some of it is fictionalized, obviously, but um, I just I just love that period, and uh, George C. Scott just did such an awesome job as George S. Patton. Um, number 16 is Goodfellas, which, as we mentioned, made it on our list, so enough said about that. Number 15, I have Back to the Future. Number 14, I have The Sting, uh, another one of my uh, favorite movies, something I could watch over and over again. Robert Shaw, um, Paul Newman, Robert Redford. Um, it, it's it's very close. Like this and Butch Cassidy are, are you know very close to me as far as you know Redford and, and Newman movies, but I just, I just love The, st- the Sting. Uh, number 13, I have Alien, which, again, made our top 20, so we've, we've talked a lot about that. Number 12, I have uh, X2, X-Men United. Uh, it's my favorite of the X-Men movies. Um, it's one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. I just, I just absolutely love it to death. Um, and I, I think it still, it still holds up fairly well. Uh, number 11, I have Superman the movie. Um, that just... Just a lot of nostalgia for that movie. And, um, again, probably before The Avengers was probably my favorite superhero movie. Like, when you just look at a, a superhero movie stand on its own, that was that was it for me. So that is my bottom 20. Um, number 20, Excalibur by John Borman. Uh, saw this when I was very young. It was the first time I ever saw uh, Liam Neeson or Patrick Stewart or uh, Helen Mirren, for that matter. Um, all of which, uh, I mean, this movie's really cool. The production values are insane, and it's, it's a really good movie. Uh, Richard Linklater's uh, Waking Life is number 19. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. Uh, it's basically a guy who keeps no. waking up to uh, more lucid and lucid dreams. It's done in that style where it's digitally animated over live-action film, and uh, there's a lot of really big Kind of like ideas. a Scanner Darkly? Yeah, in that same style. Um, but um, it's Wiley Wiggins, and he keeps waking up in Austin, uh, He's waking. He thinks he's keeps. He, he thinks he's waking up, but he's actually just you know oh, uh, having a deeper and deeper dream. And there's a lot of really deep thought in it about you know uh, the idea of, of you know life versus dreams and reality versus what we perceive as reality. And every time I watch it, I come away with something new to think about. It's a really cool, cool movie. Uh, number eighteen is the Maltese Falcon. This is the original with Humphrey Bogart 
and Mary Astor and Sidney Greenstreet. Mr. Spade, do you have the object? Uh, classic, noir, great movie, the stuff that dreams are made of. Um, the ne- my next movie on the list is Lawrence of Arabia, another classic I could not leave off this list. I, I got to see it restored um, digitally on the big screen, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Tour de Force, uh, acting by Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, Omar Sharif, great, great movie. Uh, next would be on my list is The Incredibles, for all the reasons we said on the HHW show. Um, next is A Clockwork Orange. I had to limit myself to one Kubrick movie on this uh, on this list, and uh, this is the one. It, I, had to, I picked it over The Shining just by a, a hair's breadth. Uh, Clockwork Orange is just an incredible movie. Malcolm McDowell, just, if you haven't seen it, you really should. It's a classic, and, and it informs so much of what happened later in the culture. It's insane. Um, next, Reservoir Dogs, uh, going up my list, uh, this is my favorite Tarantino movie, I mean, when I first saw this movie, it kind of hit me like a fist, and it was still the, you know, my first impression of Tarantino, and, and the best impression, uh, next would be, is Halloween, which we talked about in HHWLOD, my, uh, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, the movie that made me fall in love with the entire genre of horror movies was Halloween, uh, next is, uh, number 12 is Blues Brothers, uh, for all the reasons that Russ said and more, I mean, it's it's a perfect comedy. It's it's uh, um, got some of the greatest um, practical effects and car chases and, and stuff uh, ever on film. Um, the music is all solid wall-to-wall. Some of the greatest you know, blues and R&B legends of the 20th century are in that movie performing. Um, uh, plus, I mean, the, the comedy is solid. I mean, you got all kinds of really hilarious things going on. Um, I, the, the, the scene where they wake up in the pile of bricks, I'm like, it was done with practical effects in Chicago. I mean, it was all filmed on location in Chicago. It's, the movie itself is incredible. And then to, to think of the undertaking it, it made to make that movie and how nobody would ever even dare to make a movie like that now. Uh, it just makes it even greater. I just got done writing about it on my blog. I'm at, um, in Retropolis. I've been going through the eighties year by year. And that was one of my picks for 1980. And then number 11 on my list is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. For all the reasons we've already said and so many more. Tis a silly place. You smell of elderberries. <laughs> Your mother was a hamster. Okay, so we've gone through the first uh, halves of our list. Are we ready to go through the next halves together, I suppose? Yeah, let me... Uh, I got a couple little stats here. Um, one of the things I did was look at the most popular year. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a tie between 1998 and 2000, which actually kind of surprised me that uh, that it was that yeah. late. But there were nine movies that were from 98 or 2000. I'm surprised by that, too. I would thought, sure, the uh, early 80s would be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. But I guess a lot of them that, a lot of movies that didn't make, you know, the final top 20, um, you know, kind of skewed the list to some degree. The, uh... I don't know if I, I did this on the other show. The newest movie in the top 20 was The Avengers from 2012. And the oldest movie on the top 20 was The Godfather from 1972. So it's like a 40-year spread, so not not too bad. My number 10 is a movie I don't think many people have heard of. I know it was on at least two lists because Pierce has it on his as well. Um, but it's a movie called Gentleman Broncos. Have you gentlemen even... I've seen it. I've not seen the movie, but I saw that on your both your lists, and I was, I was intrigued. 
So this is a movie uh, that I would recommend to a Brad Milo in particular. Uh, if you are a massive fan of Napoleon Dynamite, and I know he is, or if you're also a fan of uh, Nacho Libre, which I also know he is, although I haven't seen it myself, so I can't actually say how similar this movie is to that. But this is the third movie that that same team did after they did Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. Um, it has Jermaine Clement from Fly the Concords as the main villain, and uh, Michael Arangianto, I believe is how you say his name, as the protagonist. But it's, um, think Napoleon Dynamite if it had a much stronger overarching plot and was about a young homeschooled kid who wanted nothing more than to be a writer of cheesy B sci-fi sci stories from like the 70s and 80s. If you can picture those book covers and that kind of aesthetic, that's what he wants to write in that same kind of out-of-time world that Napoleon Dynamite or Nacho Libre was in. Uh, it is a hilarious movie. It is a strange movie, but it is a movie that me and my friends will just watch at the drop of a hat and laugh all the way through. What happens in the movie is Jermaine Clemens' character, who's like a much better known writer, uh, takes this kid's folder and decides to like slightly change but totally plagiarize his idea. And it's really cool because you get to see the story that the kid wrote um, in his head. And the main character, who who played, um, who was in Moon and Iron Man Two, played uh, Justin Hammer. I can never Sam remember. Rockwell. Thank you. I can never remember his name off the top of my head. Although I love the actor. So he plays the hero of the story, and you see the kid's version, you see Jermaine Clement's version of it, and you see a third version later on in the movie. And all three are similar but different, and seeing the same sci-fi B-story reimagined through three different lenses is really, really cool. Yeah, and the uh, the, um, the Sam Rockwell parts are, are like done on that kind of cheesy, like you said, 70s, early 80s kind of uh, sci-fi landscape. I the the whole premise is kind of silly in itself uh, on face value, but it definitely would have fit in that milieu. But yeah, that's a, it's a good movie. It, do you know if it's on Netflix? Is it on the the streaming? Uh, it's not anymore. It used to be, and I know Pierce and I have said that the moment it pops up again, we're going to cover it uh, on our Netflix series for Jersey Shore. But it's not at the moment, unfortunately. I'll have to look. Do you know if it's on Amazon Instant Prime? I don't believe so. I, I don't actually have instant, uh, Prime anymore. I did until about January, huh. and then my student account ran out. So gotcha. But I'll, I might uh, sign up again before they bump it up to ninety nine dollars. We'll see. Yeah, I'll 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 do a search on that and check it out. So uh, that that's like I said, I saw it on your list. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't even really heard of it to be honest with you. Um, but since it was on both of your lists, I was like, oh, maybe I should check this out. Yeah, it's if you like Napoleon Dynamite you will probably love this movie. Like, it's Napoleon Dynamite with a much more pronounced plot. <laughs> and better acting, quite frankly. Uh, so my number 10 is uh, the Alfred Hitchcock classic Vertigo uh, with Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart. It is my, without a doubt, my favorite Hitchcock movie of all time. Uh, it's pretty dark and can be a little creepy at times and not creepy as, like, scary psycho creepy, but just, like, stalkery jimmy stewart creepy um it's a it's kind of a long movie uh not not ridiculously long but well over two hours um and i just i really enjoy it i i, I enjoy the look of it um i love the way it was filmed there's some really cool uh stuff that's been it's been mimicked a lot and it's been uh parodied you know quite often the mel brooks movie high anxiety is a is a pretty big takeoff on um on vertigo and and other hitchcock movies obviously um, but there's a really cool technique where 
when Jimmy Stewart's having to climb up, I think it's it's the clock tower, bell tower, and he's going up the staircase and he looks down and, and Hitchcock uses his technique where he had the camera up on these pulleys and he actually like they they pulled the camera up and then and then like set the zoom or the or the focus long so it has this really cool effect as it's as it's going um but it, it's it, like i said it's just it's 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 just a really really good you know classic hitchcock uh movie absolutely that's a great movie my number 10 is blade runner aha uh-huh. and we kind of already talked about that on hsw but uh We've already talked about it. I've already been yelled at over it. <laughs> I'm not going to yell at anybody. I just, there's just some movies in moment, that have moments in them you don't forget. And I mean, the Roy Batty, you know, t- giving that speech about the tears in the rain. I'll never forget that. The, you know, Jay Sebastian's Toy Shop. Uh, you know, there's just so many moments in that movie that just make it for me. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my, you know, all time classic 80s movies for sure. So, Blade Runner's what- number 10 for mine. What did you? We didn't talk about this on HHW, so I'll ask. What did you think of the final cut? I mean, we talked about the final cut a little bit, but I didn't get your your thoughts on that. That's the one with the the voiceover taken out of it. The vo- it, it's the voiceover taken out of it, but it's the one they did just uh, a few years ago for the anniversary, and, and where they reshot, um, they reshot the scene with Zora where she crashes through the window. They had Harrison Ford's son Ben come in and. Uh, redo like do the ADR because there was like some weird dialogue where Harrison Ford's mouth was doing one thing and he was saying something different um Mm -hmm. so they actually went through and like refilmed that they cleaned the print up so it looks absolutely gorgeous so I'm I I don't know if you've even seen that that cut probably it's probably the one I watched last time I got the um uh when they came out with the five disc uh um you know, set or whatever. I didn't get yeah. that set, but I got the I got the uh, actual like director's cut version of that. So. And it has probably the best movie documentary outside of Hearts of Darkness that I've seen. That Dangerous Days. It's like a three hour documentary on the on the making of Blade Runner that they did for that release. Uh, and they actually got Harrison Ford to, uh, you know, to, they actually interviewed Harrison Ford for the movie, which he's really never spoken about that movie since it came out. Um, well, and it's, it, I remember being a really young geek and seeing the the concept art by Sid Mead in uh, Omni magazine. Oh yeah, you know, like showing the spinner and then showing the LA, you know, the way Sid Mead had, had uh, imagined it and stuff. And uh, I mean, that alone was enough to get me hyped on that. I heard it was a Philip K. Dick adaptation. I mean, you couldn't have kept me away from the theater. I, I'm, he's one of my favorite writers. So okay, shall we move on to number nine? <laughs> My number nine is Toy Story 3. Uh, Toy Story 1, it's a movie that I like quite a bit. Toy Story 2, I find just kind of boring and sad. Quite frankly, it's beautiful to look at, but I I don't enjoy the movie at all. Toy Story 3 is, as far as I'm concerned, I love it for all the reasons that Bill hates it. (laughs) Uh, The (laughs) fact that it tugs on my heartstrings for two different reasons, two completely different reasons, and, and just makes me remember why I love those characters as a kid uh, watching Toy Story, the original. And uh, Toy Story 3 was just such a fantastic movie for me that I just absolutely had to make my list. It was number 47 overall, um, which actually it wasn't. It, it, it was kind of tied for a few places there. And just to let you know that because of you and Pierce, Gentleman Broncos was actually number 37. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number nine was the Avengers, and 
I think we've we've spoken enough about that, just not only on the top twenty list, but when the movie came look, out. Look, look, Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes get a bad rap for that movie. <laughs> Sean Connery was okay as the villain; it wasn't as bad as everyone says. I I agree. Uh, it's it's too bad too bad I don't have my buddy Glenn on this call uh, because we have a really funny story about uh, the the uh, that version of the Avengers and another friend of ours um, that that is too long to get into on on this show, but made made for a. a a funny about two week long uh, argument between three of us. Um, but it, it's kind of funny that, that this is number nine. And the more I see about Captain America, the winter soldier, I'm curious after I see that, if maybe uh, this wouldn't have gotten bumped. Um, but maybe I'm just being a little, uh, a little too uh, optimistic. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but I have high hopes anyway. So that's, that's my number. Nine. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, those... number nine for me is my favorite Mel Brooks movie, Young Frankenstein. Ah. Um, as a young geek, come back with me, won't you, to the seventies? As a no. young geek, oh please do. Uh, <laughs> we, have, no. we have imported we have imported Italian polyester there. It was quite nice. <laughs> Too but much as a, hair. As a child, I grew up uh, watching monster movies every weekend on Superhost in Cleveland. Um, old Hammer horror movies and old Universal monster movies and Godzilla movies. Um, so I grew up with those those movies and uh, Young Frankenstein. It just you know hits me where I live. Uh, it, in fact, the, the the movie Son of Frankenstein, starring Basil Rathbone, who played Sherlock Holmes back in the day, is almost a Young Frankenstein is almost a scene for scene remake of that movie. And it's so weird to see it all played straight, like the scene, the dart throwing scene with the constable, and like yep. all that stuff, but played straight. It's just it's a mind blower, you know. If you know this movie anywhere near as well as I do, um, I would I would seek that out to, just to see for yourselves. Um, but it's just it, one of the funniest movies, hands down. There's so many great quotes. It's not even. It would, I'd be here. I could be here for the next hour and a half quoting this movie. Um, just it's hilarious. It, it was between this and Blazing Saddles for me because I did want to include. A Mel Brooks comedy in my top ten, um, and this edged out Blazing Saddles just by a little bit. So. Not my favorite uh, Mel Brooks movie, but my, it's my wife's favorite Mel Brooks movie. I mean, she absolutely loves Young Frankenstein. When I was in high school, in uh, for drama credit, my bro- my buddy and I uh, did as a scene on stage the uh, the Gene Hackman Peter Boyle scene. Oh, nice! They're putting the on the ribs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You must have been the tallest one in your class. <laughs> also, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I played Peter Boyle, obviously. <laughs> also not my favorite Mel Brooks movie. I think that would have to be Spaceballs. But uh, to be honest, in general, I'm not a big Mel Brooks fan. I, I recognize why people like it. Um, it's just not my style of humor. And while okay. there will be one or two things in all of his movies that I will laugh at, in general, it just doesn't connect with me as my particular brand of humor. So this is twice today, once in print and once verbally, Jordan. You are dead to me. <laughs> Not again. Man. <laughs> I wasn't putting down Captain America 2. It looks amazing. I'm just more excited for Spider-Man. He's got inf- Good thing he's got infinite respawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am a Highlander. Okay, number eight. My number eight is a movie we've already talked about in the top 20 overall, but it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail, a classic comedy that does connect with me. Uh, my number eight is Lawrence of Arabia, and yeah, yeah, it's it's just one of those movies that, from a cinematic perspective, is just absolute perfection in my mind. I mean, I just look at that 
and especially after they did the recent uh, cleanup for the for the fiftieth anniversary uh, last uh, two years ago, and it's one of the best looking Blu-rays that I own. I've seen this movie many many times, but uh, just looking at at the cinematography on that cleaned up Blu-ray and just seeing the desert scenes and and just the way it was shot, Peter O'Toole's acting and it was just, it's just phenomenal. So I I again it's just one of those movies I feel like if I was stranded on a desert island I could definitely see myself watching it over and over again as long as it is. And that restored copy is just gorgeous. I saw it on oh, the yeah. big screen when when they um when they released it on the Blu-ray they had a limited release to big screen. Luckily they had it in my local theater and. It just made me have a whole new appreciation for that movie. You know, the the performances in that, not only O'Toole, but Anthony Quinn and Alec Guinness and oh, yeah. Omar Sharif. Um, it's just, that's just a solid movie all around. And it, it's one of those movies that if, uh, you know, back when I had cable, if it was on, I'd have to watch it. And if it came on, I'd have to watch it till it was over, you know, even as long as it is and everything. It's just, it's just an incredible movie. And the score, the score is just mesmerizing. Absolutely uh, yeah. mesmerizing. I've seen it, but it's been so many years that I really need to go back and uh, revisit it. It was number 36 overall. It was just one. It was actually tied with Gentleman Broncos. They both had a score of 21. But uh, <laughs> but Lawrence of <laughs> Arabia would have beat it out. Way. Yeah, Lawrence of Arabia was on three lists, and Gentleman Broncos was on two. So technically it would have beat it out. But, uh, but there you have it. <laughs> number eight, my turn? Yes, sir. Uh, I believe so, sir. My number eight is Escape from New York. I love this movie. This is my favorite 80s action movie, uh, other than the number six movie we're going to talk about in a little while. Um, <laughs> it just is my, I mean, I don't know. Kurt Russell as Nick Plissken, so iconic, he ended up becoming the lead of Metal Gear Solid. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, just a great, great, I just got done writing about this again in my retro. I've been doing... In my blog, uh, Retropolis, if you look up Retropolis blog on Google or go to the Taylor Network of Podcast.com, I've been going through the 80s year by year with my top eight movies from each of the 80s, um, years of the 80s. And I rewatched this movie uh, not too long ago for that. And just it's just wall-to-wall great performances. Harry Dean Stanton, uh, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, where he gets his comeuppance on the Duke, played by Isaac Hayes, as pimptastically played as possible. Um... Dude had chandeliers on his Cadillac, okay? <laughs> Above the headlights, he had chandeliers. That is pimptastic. I'm sorry. Yes. But the, just that whole movie for me just works. Top, bottom, Probably middle. Love Adrian it. Adrian Barbeau Cleef, in her prime. Oh, yes. Let's not forget the, the womanly charms of Adrian Barbeau. I think she was married to Carpenter at the time. Plus, one other, one other director, writer, producer does his own soundtracks, too. Seriously. Yeah. Robert know. Rodriguez. Okay. Yeah. That's two. <laughs> Few and far between, my friend. Few and far between. But anyway, it was, uh, I don't know, it's, it's one of my favorite 80s action movies. It's just, it, it's still it's still cool. It still holds up. I think listeners, long-time listeners will know that I am not the person to talk to if you want to wax philosophic about 80s action movies. That said, I do really enjoy uh, Escape from New York and very small parts of Escape from L.A. The, the, the Jaws joke is pretty funny. I, I prefer not to acknowledge uh, acknowledge its existence, but but that's okay. You're allowed to. Man. That joke, pretty much that joke, is the extent of what I like about the movie. That is nearly identical plot structurally to New York, but uh, yeah, it is a fun movie. Number uh, seven, my number seven. We've already talked about it quite a bit, but the Avengers. I love it. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, we all like it pretty much. Yeah, it's, you know, whatever. Except for Brad, he hates everything. <laughs> uh, my Just kidding, seven. Brad, we love you. I think you're confusing yeah. Brad with Daryl. Um. <laughs> uh, my number seven is Blade Runner. Uh, again, we've we've talked so much about that. Uh, check out the final cut. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Alien is my number seven. Uh, my favorite Ridley Scott movie, probably one of my favorite. It's my highest ranking horror movie. Um, it was the first R-rated movie I was allowed to go see in the theater. Number six. My number six is Pulp Fiction, which I do not believe is on the overall top 20, is it? Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, it is. Oh, Did, is it? So we've it already talked about it then. Well, I love it. I love that movie. It's awesome. Um, as, as you can already tell, I have two Tarantino movies on my list, uh, this and Inglorious Bastards, and uh, this one is the one that, of the two, I will simply rewatch more often, but I do love both movies quite a bit. I've seen that movie so many times. Um, I was uh, first starting graduate school. It was playing at the the college the, uh, theater for like over a year. Like every Friday and Saturday night, they would show Pulp Fiction. It just <laughs> became this thing. It became this thing like it was almost like Rocky Horror, where everybody would show up. They'd quote the movie. They'd party. You know, it was uh, it was its own little phenomenon for sure. Gown and flowers on the wall. Stop Say what again? <laughs> Say what And, of again. course, so quotable. Oh, yeah. Infinitely quotable. Uh, my number six is The Dark Knight, which, again, made the top 20 as um, number 12. Uh, you guys but... keep picking these obscure movies that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Yes, we know you're such auteurs. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we've talked this one to death. Uh, well, my number six is not one we have talked to death, but it is my favorite, uh, one of my favorite action movies of all time. And it's more insane when you think that it was done in the days before CGI, and that is Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior. Ah, um, yes. The the I will hold up the action sequences in that movie to any action sequence in any movie, and uh, and and those action sequences will be lacking. Uh, it was just insane, the stuff that they did, got away with, filmed. Like I said, no one would ever think to do that now. Um, they, it would all be done in CGI. It would all be done in the computer. This is all done with practical effects. Um, Mel Gibson, even though he became a crazy wackadoo in recent years, it was, <laughs> I mean, that, that performance in that movie is just a study in silent acting. I mean, he, he, he rarely speaks in that movie, but you know exactly what he's thinking throughout the entire movie. It's incredible. And, uh, I mean, you know, the characters of Wes and the feral boy and the gyro captain. I mean, just so such an iconic movie for me. And just, I, I don't know when I think of action movie, I think of, when I think of the ultimate action movie, I think of this movie. The one thing that sticks out for me in that movie, like when somebody says the road warrior, the first thing I think of is the dude trying to catch the boomerang and it takes his hand off. I don't know why yeah, that sticks in my yeah. head, but <laughs> that's like the first thing that comes I, to mind. I always think of, just walk away, leave the gas, we will let <laughs> you walk away with your lives. Oh hell, Lord Humongous. I grew up uh, not having the luxury of there not being a crazy Mel Gibson era, so <laughs> I don't know that I've actually seen The Road Warrior all the way through. I know I've seen at least parts of one of the uh, Mad Max movies. Um, and I, I should check them out one of these days. But yeah, Mel Gibson, th- there is no other Mel Gibson in my head, quite frankly. 
Well, Not even the overdubbed uh, Australian version. There was yeah. a uh, there was a Mel Gibson. Uh, this is before Mel Gibson became Mel Gibson and won all those Academy Awards for Braveheart and stuff. And he was just starting out. It's it one of his first movies. I think Mad Max was his first movie. If I'm not oh yeah, they had to overdub everything because you couldn't understand yeah. a word yeah. he said, right? And that was a good revenge flick with some anarchic flourishes here and there. But the yeah. Road Warrior was just straight up anarchy, chaos, insanity, and. I mean, I don't know, just a bravura performance by him. And like I said, that I, you watch those action sequences. Now, if we were to see them, we'd say, oh, you know, great CGI. But no, all done practically and like all done on the roads of Australia, you know, with very little like, you know, safety supervision and stuff. And it's just insane the footage they got. And it's like when you, th- for, to this day, when somebody says muscle car, I, I, I honestly think of the Road Warrior just because of all the crazy stuff they did. Even like Death Race Two and some of the more recent movies that are similar with vehicular combat, I don't think come close. Totally agree. Wait, did Death Race Two Thousand come after Road No, War? no, I meant the remake with Jason Statham. Oh, I was gonna say. No, I, no, no, it that came before. Make sense. The original Death Race Two Thousand was like nineteen seventy. How old is Mel Gibson? Number five. Number five for me is The Departed from Martin Scorsese. Uh, one of my favorite Scorsese movies, of which there are so many to choose. Obviously, I already put two on this list. But uh, I first kind of fell in love with Scorsese's movies during an Irish film class I took in college. And I was taking that class when The Departed came out. And I had no idea what the name Scorsese meant or anything like that. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'd heard it at some point and seen a, a Scorsese movie or two. But this was the first film class I'd ever taken. It was when I was starting to learn about auteur theory and just all these different things. And so the professor strongly encouraged us to watch it because it being it was about the Irish mob in Boston. And this was an Irish film class. And I just fell in love with that movie. It is... The performances across the board are so great, even from people we like to give a lot of crap, like Mark Wahlberg. Um, it's just fantastic, quotable, great music, beautifully shot, shocking in so many places, and uh, just a movie I really, really love. Not to go off on too much of a tangent, but if you like movies about the Irish mob, check out State of Grace with Sean Penn and Gary Oldman and Ed Harris. It's an awesome movie. I need. It's been a while since I've seen The Departed. I need. I think I need to go back and rewatch it because I saw it when it first came out on Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. Um, and I enjoyed it. Cause I'm a huge Scorsese fan in general. I, I definitely enjoyed it, but it didn't. It didn't really grab me at the time. So I think now that I've seen it once and kind of taken it in, I think I need to go back and give it a rewatch. Do my best to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my number five, uh, again, a movie we've talked a lot about, is Jaws. Uh, you know, what else is there to say? It started this craziness that we call the summer blockbuster season uh, way back in 1975. And uh, it, it's just, I, I think it's, it's Spielberg's, well, I hate to say crowning achievement because I think there's another movie on my list that I feel is this crowning achievement. But um, I just, I hold it in very high regard. Uh, for Spielberg, and a lot of it has to do with just the performances. I mean, between Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and Richard Dreyfuss, I mean, it's just, yeah, just the three of them, um, fantastic. Like I, like I said on on the HHW show, that whole sequence where they where Shaw goes into his diatribe where he was on the USS Indianapolis uh, just, like, makes the hairs on my arms stick up. It's just so awesome to hear him, you know, talk about that, especially if you understand and know, you know, what you know, what happened with the USS Indianapolis. So 
My number five was something I was very surprised that did not make the overall number, uh, top 20 list of, at all was uh, The Shawshank Redemption. It's my number five. Um, I just love this movie. It's great, great acting. You know, of course, you know, Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, uh, Clancy Brown. Um, you know, just like a really good movie. I, mean, I don't know. No more I could say that, you know, people, if you haven't seen The Shawshank Redemption, you call yourself a movie lover. I wouldn't go around calling yourself that because it's a great movie. It really is. I mean, oh, yeah. it's one of the highest rated movies on IMDb. I mean, it's just so well written. Darabont just takes such a right touch with it. I mean, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy that movie a lot. Oddly enough, you were the only one that put it on your list. Um, that's that's insane to me. Yeah, but you're again, all wrong. I, yeah, you're all I, dead I, to me. I don't I don't think anybody would disagree with it being on on your list or you know it being a high quality movie. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. You're I mean, still it's, it's, you're still dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I I've seen that movie so many times in part. I don't ever know if I've ever seen it start to finish, but it's one of those movies just on TV so many times that I've probably seen it six or seven times uh, overall, but just maybe not from beginning to end at any point, which I need to rectify. It's just one of those movies that very few people saw in the theater, but then got a lot of momentum on DVD and, like you said, on cable television and stuff. And I don't know. I just think it's a, it's almost like a perfect movie. You know? Number four. Number four. My number four movie is uh, my second of two uh, Christopher Nolan movies, and that is The Prestige, um, a movie that, unfortunately for him, I think it's overlooked a lot when people talk about Christopher Nolan's movies. And I don't know too many people who dislike it, but it's just, you know, they talk about the Dark Knight trilogy, or they talk about Memento, or they talk about Inception, all movies I love. But for me, it's The Prestige that I would just, like, once or twice a year sit down and rewatch. Uh, the performances are great. Uh, you know, it's a movie with Batman, Alfred, Wolverine, Black Widow. And David um, Bowie. David Bowie. As and, uh, I love that performance, by the way. That's like my favorite performance in that whole movie. And uh, Rebecca Hall, who was in Iron Man 3. And, and I don't just love it because there's a bunch of people from superhero movies in it. It's a fantastic script. It's a beautifully shot movie. Uh, I just love the twists and turns and the look into... The look into what these men are willing to do for themselves and for their art and the what they're willing to sacrifice to be the best is just a very interesting look at the, this world of uh, turn-of-the-century magicians, and I, I love it. That's one I, I, I enjoyed it, I think, more than most when it came out. I think people I, – I don't think it was appreciated as much as it should have been because um, it, I, I, it came out in between – uh, Batman Begins in the Dark Knight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that sounds correct, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think also it came, th- that movie The Illusionist came out around the same time, and I don't know if maybe people got the two of them confused because they both dealt with magicians and kind of like uh, there was an, you know, a plot twist with both of them. Um, but I, definitely, of the two, I definitely prefer The Prestige. But uh, Well, I know when the two were out, I was on a big uh, Edward Norton kick at the time, and I was all excited for The Illusionist and couldn't have cared less about um, The Prestige. This was before I was really familiar with Christopher Nolan and, and, and his oeuvre. But uh, it was one of those things where, A, The Prestige, or not The Prestige, The Illusionist was just an awful movie <laughs> in <laughs> retrospect, even with the great actors that were in it. But The Prestige just holds up so, so well. 
But yeah, I think it was some of that brain confusion of having the two, you know, your, your two uh, giant asteroid movies, your two animated uh, insect movies, your two, you know, you know how that always works. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my number four was The Godfather. Uh, again, my my favorite Coppola movie uh, of all time, you know, definitely being that it's in the top four, one of, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just... I, I'm one of the few that actually prefer it over The Godfather 2. Um, not that I dislike The Godfather 2 or think it's inferior. Uh, you know, overall, I just, if, if I had to choose between the two, I would, I would take the first Godfather because it just, I think it just sets everything up beautifully. My number four is Jaws. We already talked about it a lot. <laughs> I like it though. Would you say we'd need a bigger podcast if we wanted to talk about it more? No, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) But uh, I like it a lot, too. Uh, My number three is Watchmen. And to be more specific, the ultimate cut of Watchmen with uh, the Black Pearl stuff all thrown in there. And I should say, my top three was the only part of this list that I had ready to go uh, when the call came out for these lists, because I've often thought of what my top three movies are, and I and I should probably revisit them someday soon. But the, the top three are movies that I had, you know, steadfast as these are the movies I love. Watchmen, I understand the problems people have with it, um, even the ultimate cut. I understand the things that people just didn't like about it, how it was done, etc. But for me... I could just sit... It's not a movie I can rewatch all the time, mostly because, especially, the ultimate cut is so incredibly long. But it is just a perfect and slavish remake... uh, Not remake, but adaptation, and I understand why people don't like that about it. But for me, especially with Watchmen, that's kind of what you need for that story. And no one else was going to do it. No one else was going to do it as slavishly. And, hey, if... People didn't like it. They don't ever need to watch it again, but I love it. And uh, it's just a beautiful movie. It's funny that of all the like original Watchmen LOD folks, uh, Jordan was not one of them, but he was the only one that had it in the movie uh, adaptation in his top five. I just, I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> well, Watchmen was how I found this program in the first place. So We were, uh, we're kind of like vets, you know, Vietnam vets who don't watch Vietnam movies, you know what I mean? Yeah, we were through yeah. it already. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, my number three was our number one, which was The Empire Strikes Back. My number three was Raiders of the Lost Ark. We may have, I think we've already covered that as well. So, my number two movie is one that is I don't I doubt on anyone else's list, but uh, both my number two and my number one share something in common, which is. They're both movies from big-time directors who I'm... I wouldn't say I'm generally not a fan of, but I'm just 50-50 on. And uh, number two is Big Fish um, by Tim... Now I'm going to forget his last name. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Uh, It is a movie that just kind of captivates me. All, All three of my top three movies are stories about stories in one way or another. And... Uh, this was just a movie I loved. I was surprised that my dad loved this movie because we generally have very, very different tastes in, in everything. But it, it just... Something about it connects with me on more than just a movie level. Like There's something about this story that just hits me where I live, and I really, really enjoyed it. I had a hard I, time getting through this, this one. I, m- I remember seeing it when it first came out and thought it would be really cool. And I don't, I don't know, it just didn't... It just really didn't resonate with me. I don't know if part of it was 
I think by the time the 90s hit, I was done with Tim Burton. Like, <laughs> right, I, right. I, I think I just got my fill of Tim Burton in the late 80s. And I, although this is maybe like the least Tim Burton-y of Tim Burton movies, you know, it wasn't all It's still dark. pretty Tim Burton-y in places. Yeah, yeah but, but it wasn't like all, you know gothic-y and, you know, dark and, and everything like that. There was there was actually some sunlight in that movie. It's um, a very bright movie. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, it, interesting, because it, it just didn't resonate with me. I like big fish. Yeah, but you're a chef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm generally, I'm kind of hit and miss, like I said, with Tim Burton. And quite honestly, I didn't lived through that, you know, late 80s, early 90s period with all those movies, I didn't see them till later. So I wasn't burnt out on him when I saw this, or didn't really have too much of a preconceived notion of what a Tim Burton movie is or is not supposed to be or anything like that. So um, I, I kind of actually probably saw this before a lot of his more well-received and classic movies, um, and which is why it sticks with me more, I think. That's right. Uh, my number two is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, again, our number number two overall so i i shared i shared what what the the list was and again just you know this is one of those things that my top three movies i could ref there was no question they all came to me immediately and it's it's just a list i've always had in my head of my three favorite movies um and raiders is definitely number two i it's it's a movie i could watch have watched and could watch you know thousand times my number two is Star Wars. I refuse to call it A New Hope. That's how I roll. <laughs> My number one is a movie I don't think was on anybody else's list. I remember looking through the master list, and I don't remember seeing it. Uh, another movie that from a another movie from a director that I'm not necessarily huge on, uh, being Woody Allen actually. But it's uh, 1985, The Purple Rose of Cairo. Uh, this is a movie that. Again, it's one of these ones that's just, for whatever reason, it really connected with me. I, I love stories about stories, which, like, like I said, all top, all three of my top three are stories about stories in one way or another. And something about that early 1900s theater experience and the Great Depression kind of uh, feel about it, it all works together really well for me. And it's just a, a really interesting movie. And, and it's weird for me to put, a, a, like, a, I guess you could call it a romantic comedy in my top 20 movies, because that's not really generally my thing, but I really do love The Purple Rose of Cairo. If you love stories about stories, you should really, really read Sandman. That's all I'm going to say. It's on my list. It's yeah, one yeah. of the, It's one of those, like, like The Godfather, that's just sitting there on my list, staring at me, making fun of me, and one of these days I will actually get to Mocking it. Mocking you openly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, my number one, which I talked pretty extensively and personally about on the HHW show is Star Wars. Uh, like I said, since 1977, it has been my number one favorite movie. And until the day I die, I don't believe there's any movie that could possibly come out that could surpass that in my mind. I mean, it just so formative uh, of my childhood. And I think it was revolutionary and transformative to this whole industry when it came out. And I just, I just don't see anything coming along like that again. Number one for me, Empire Strikes Back. I guess I don't have to go into why. <laughs> I've heard of that one. I, it was funny for me making this list. Like I said, I started out with like 77. And I just had to winnow down and winnow down and winnow down. And I still have my like list from back when it was 50. 
and when it was 40 <laughs> and then the 20 that we ended up with for the project but i mean what it were... was pretty like you said it was pretty easy to, to to grab like the first you know five or whatever my five favorite movies or whatnot off the top of my head but the rest what were some i guess alternates i mean jim you said you know you started with you know 50 and then kind of winnowed down what were like when you kind of had to you know make that sophie's choice of the top 20 what you know, what were very, very high, like, I, I guess you could say maybe like 21 to 25-ish? Uh, Repo Man. It's because I love that movie, like, with a, with an unnatural amount of love. It's just such a good movie. It's so very much of its early 80s American punk rock time, and that was my childhood and, you know, my experience as a teenager. So I just, that movie was just great. Uh, Fanny and Alexander, which is my favorite Bergman movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but... It was originally done for Swedish TV and then cut down to a three-hour movie. Um, just incredible, incredible story of, of a family, a theatrical family at the turn of the 20th century. Um, it, it just it, incredibly uh, well-made you know, made story, just sumptuous uh, production design, great storyline. Uh, uh, Apocalypse Now was another one. Uh, Time Bandits, The Warriors, mm. The Thing, uh, Touch of Evil. Oh. Hard boiled, hard boiled. Uh, the John Woo movie, Hard Boiled. Sure, sure. Um, it was. I mean, it was really hard for me to like. You know, really pick and choose. Um, it, it's funny you mentioned Apocalypse Now, and I've I've seen that movie probably like seven or eight times, and every time I watch it, I always say, I feel like I think I like this movie more than I actually like that movie. I, I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's so weird. Like I just. It's like something compels me to watch it, and then I watch it, and I'm like, you know, I don't know that I really like this. <laughs> there are parts of it I love. There are parts of it I absolutely love, like the whole bit with Dennis Hopper as the photographer. Oh and yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's because I mean, he's playing a guy who's whacked out on drugs while he's whacked out on drugs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you've ever seen, like, you, I think you mentioned it before, Heart of Darkness, the the documentary about Apocalypse. Po- Apocalypse not, yeah. It's uh, the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now is just insane what they went through for that movie, and I don't know. There's just so many good iconic scenes in that movie. It definitely was. Yeah, and it was know, it, it, that was like where I began my love with like candid documentary or candid commentary, um, mm-hmm. because that was Coppola's wife that actually you know did that documentary, and it was it was pretty right. candid um, and open. You know, they didn't really hold much back. And uh, it was funny. My, my favorite. They had all kinds of. They had all kind of access. I mean, nowadays there's sure. not that much access on movies uh, since. Yeah. Um, my my favorite bit though was they had Martin Sheen on Saturday Night Live. I think it was before it it came out. Um, and and the and he did a skit where the studio sent Martin Sheen on up the river to go kill Francis Ford Coppola because the movie was taking too long. Um. They even made fun of Apocalypse Now on uh, the Animaniacs cartoon, where they do the same thing, where they uh, they get sent by the studio executives to give the cease and desist uh, notice, but instead of Coppola, it's Jerry Lewis, who's filming <laughs> this like um, this comedy, you know, this you know going nowhere or whatever. So it's like the cl- the day the clown died mixed with Apocalypse Now. Then? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or day exactly. the clown cried. I think yeah, it's like and died. he's dressed yeah. as the clown in, in from that in this cartoon as well. It's amazing, like I, 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 Animaniacs, some of the stuff they would reference, like 
no oh, yeah. kid in the world would ever get that. You know? No. <laughs> so, Jordan, what were some of yours? Well, uh, and people will hear this if they listen to the Jersey Shore bonus episode, but Pierce and I didn't really have a ton of alternates. We kind of came up with the list. We had a few extras, and, and that list is on Pierce's iPad, so I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> but um, it was more, at least for me, I'll just speak for myself, not for Pierce, because he had more alternates where he was switching stuff out. I, and I think people kind of know this, I tend to follow directors more than anything else, and not because of some, like, auteur reason, but if I if I find a director I like their style, I tend to follow their careers and really delve into what they've done. And so for me, a lot of it was, you know, at first I was only going to, I was going to let myself to, like, one movie per some of these directors I really love, and then I couldn't bring myself to do that. But so it was like, what Tarantino movies are going to be on it? What Scorsese movies? What Kevin Smith movies? What Christopher Nolan movies? That kind of stuff. And there were a few others. There's even been a few others that I've noticed, like, on my DVD shelf, because we, we recorded at Pierce's house that particular week, um, where I've gone, you know what? I might have put this movie on my list, but at the same time, if it didn't pop into my head when I was putting together the list, would I have? You know, so it, it's more, it was more for me, like, you know, what Wes Anderson movie am I going to put on there, that kind of stuff, than it was anything else. Uh, it, the, this represents my taste pretty well. There's still lots of other movies that were so close that didn't make it, like your Jurassic Parks or, or you know, Star Wars A New Hope or that kind of thing, but... It, again, it's not because I don't love them. It's just because there was just so many other things that I wanted to put on there. And I think in the end, it was a pretty good representation. I I had a few, and most of these were just, I had them on my initial list of 20, and then I kind of let it sit and cook for a few days, and then I came back to it. Um, and, and I ended up swapping them out just because I was like, you know, no, you know. And, and it came down to like, really, it was things like uh, Planet of the Apes, Highlander, Blues Brothers and Patton that were and, and Back to the Future that were kind of on the lower tier of ended up on the lower tier of my top 20 and even the Sting that weren't really there in that order at first. Um, so I had Citizen Kane originally on my top 20. Um, a, again, a, a little maybe a little cliched. You know, it's it's always, you know, number one in the AFI's top 100 or whatever. Um, I, I genuinely enjoy it. I've I've seen it many times. They did a big re-release of it back in the very, very early 90s that I saw at kind of like the Art House Theater in Houston. Um, so I, I, I definitely enjoy and appreciate it. Um, the, the ones that were really tough for me, I, I also had the Fellowship of the Ring. That was another, uh, and Aliens, the the second one, were, were you know, close alternates, but didn't I, I didn't really fret over not having them on my list. Um, the two that I really struggled with not having on there were Bridge on the River Kwai, and and the and the, and the yeah um and the Manchurian candidate and not the Ooh, Denzel Washington solid. but the uh, no the original with Frank yeah, Sinatra not, and the Lawrence, good one Lawrence Harvey yeah, yes exactly Lawrence Harvey, uh Angela Janet Lansbury. Lay, Angela Lansbury uh from 1962 and that movie uh was interesting because it it kind of came out and because of the subject matter, uh, President Kennedy was a really big fan of of the Manchurian Candidate. And then after it, it came out in '62, and then after Kennedy's assassination in '63, with all the controversy and everything, you know, around it and conspiracy theories and whatnot, the movie really just kind of went away. Like you didn't see it released on video. It didn't really show on television. Um, and in the late '80s, I guess maybe probably '87, I guess for the, like the 25th anniversary or whatnot. 
they were showing it at uh, the River Oaks Theater in Houston, and my dad was my dad loved that movie, and he was like, and he he's a movie buff like I'm a movie buff, and he's like, you've got to come see this movie, we've got to go, and so I was like, you know, 15 or 16 at the time. Um, and me and my dad really don't go to the movies together a lot. Like when I was a kid, he would take me and my bro- my other brother. But it was it's not very often that me and my dad just kind of one on one go to the movies together. Um, so when he said that, I was like, okay, I've got to see this movie. Um, and so we went and saw it, and it just really blew me away and freaked me out. Um, that something this of the, you know I always kind of frame movies in terms of the time period. Um, and for that movie to be have that type of subject matter and material um, back in 1962, I thought was was pretty uh, advanced for that time. Yes, yeah, Sinatra put a lot of his own money into it, actually, um, and lost ended up losing a lot of money because he couldn't release the movie. Yeah, until until years and years later. There's a whole part in Yes I Can by Sammy Davis Jr. about that. But yeah, that's that's a really uh, underrated movie for sure. Great, great stuff. The original yeah. Ocean's Eleven was definitely one that popped up as a, oh, I should have put that on there. But again, I didn't think of it. But yeah, some of those old uh, old Rat Pack movies are just fantastic. Yeah. Like I said, that was that was probably the toughest one for me to not put on the 20. So, if, I th- you know, if I think if I had to go to 25, that would definitely be like 21. Um, but it, it's I highly recommend it, you know, for anybody that's that's interested. And, in, you know, you may think Frank Sinatra, you know. You may think things like Ocean's Eleven or whatever, and he really put it's it's a really solid performance. And Lawrence Harvey just killed it. Um, and Angela Lansbury is creepy <laughs> and evil. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so anyway, so that's straight, that, those straight were, up evil. Yeah, those, <laughs> those were my uh, my alternates. I'm trying to think if I've got any more stats. I I, th- I think I mentioned this too on the HHW show, but. Uh, the actor or actress, but in this case it, it happened to be actor, that appeared on more movies than anybody else is Samuel L. Jackson. Because he's in, in not... more movies than anybody else. It, well, that's true. I really thought it might have <laughs> been Har- Harrison Ford, but uh, yeah, Sam Jackson was on nine, and I think the next overall was like Harrison Ford with six movies that appeared on the list. The Sam Jackson was in six of the top 20, for God's sake. I mean, just pretty crazy. Um. You know, it, it's interesting, um, just speaking of stuff we left out, uh, I talked to, you know, how there's only one horror movie on my list. I would have loved to have Night of the Living Dead or the original Dawn of the Dead or even the remake Dawn of the Dead on there. Again, those are kind of hovering in the 20 to 30 range. Um, but, Jim, you mentioned something earlier, which I thought was kind of funny because you mentioned uh, there's no musicals on your list. And there's no musicals on my list either, uh, necessarily. Some of them I might have a musical number here or there. But um, I... Like, like, for instance, uh, Monty Python, Holy Grail. I actually do like musicals a lot. Both Pierce and I are big musical fans. And there are a lot of musicals that I would have liked to put on the list. Some that I wouldn't... But the thing is, because it's that top 20 and not, like, most influential, because there's a lot of movies... Like, I grew up with uh, Fiddler on the Roof and The Sound of Music. Those are two of my mom's favorite movies. And so I've seen them both probably 20, 30 times um, and could probably quote them at length in many places. Um, if this was a most influential movies, that would def those would definitely be on my list. Um, not in my favorite, so but uh, another Tim Burton movie I do like quite a bit would be Sweeney Todd. Um, and there's just so many musicals I could have put on the list but didn't. Well, the Blues uh, Brothers is uh, ostensibly a musical. That's yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Or this is Spinal Tap was very close, right. or um, A Mighty Wind, that kind of thing. 
Um, like, like we've said, there's ton, so much stuff that he would have been nice to put on the list if there was just more numbers between 1 and 20. South Park, louder, bigger uncut. <laughs> I like that movie. I need to I love that it movie. Now. Are you kidding? I, I can't re- I, I'll never forget. My sister and I were in the height of South Park Mania when that movie came out. And she got to see it. I was at work that night cooking, and she called me in the middle of dinner rush to let me know she had seen it. And she said, it, it's a musical. I was like, <laughs> what? It's a musical. I was like, no way. Sure enough, it sure was. Yeah, it's funny. The Blues Brothers is one of those. It appeared on... I just love that. So many great scenes in the Blues Brothers. The, the, the yeah. mall scene. The dry, oh, New Oldsmobiles are in early this year. Early this year. <laughs> yeah, it made Pierce's on, list. It, it appeared on four lists, but it was down fairly far. I mean, it, it was... It was, you know, not, it was ranked number 71 um, out of, you know, like I said, there were a total of 206 unique movies. And so it ranked, it ranked that low and it was on four lists and everything below it was on fewer lists and many movies above it were on fewer lists. Um, so it was just one of those, like, it was in people's top 20, but it just wasn't like, at, at, you know, it just wasn't high enough to really bump the, you know, up the threshold. The Empire Strikes Back was on the most, most lists. So it was on nine out of 16. And it was funny as I was putting together, you know, I did my list first before I kind of emailed out and had everybody submit theirs because I didn't want my list to bias. I didn't want anybody else's list to bias my own list. Um, and I, I didn't want, you know, to be tempted to just go, oh, crap, I didn't think of that. Let me let me make a switch. So I locked mine in uh, pretty early. Um, and uh, so as I was kind of tallying in and people were sending stuff in, for the longest time, by a pretty wide margin, Raiders of the Lost Ark was in first place. Um, it wasn't until those last few lists that came in that really pumped Empire Strikes Back to number one. Um, and then it, it went ahead pretty far. I mean, it went from, you know, so looking at points and scoring and stuff like that, it went from, uh, it went to 142 points for Empire, um, 131 points for Raiders, and then 130 points for Star Wars. And then number four was Jaws, and it had 88 points. So huge jump between the number three and the number four. And what that tells you is that procrastinators love The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Very much so. And it, it's funny, the other thing is, out of the top 20, the one with the lowest average score, so that means that like people had it lowest on their list, but just because it appeared on so many lists, um, was Halloween. It, it, it averaged a score of 9.5, which put it, you know, basically most people ranked it between 9 and 10 that had it on their list. Um, but it appeared on four lists, so that was enough to you know to to bring it bring it up there. Join us next week when we do all this again with television shows. <laughs> uh, this was hard enough as it was. I like I said, I I joke with Brad, but uh, we had we had several phone conversations about the, <laughs> about his list. He really he really struggled with with kind of having to make that make that that choice it was really funny were there any movies in the top 20 that not only did you go or not even top 20 but just list in general if you got a chance to look over the full list any movies that were on there that you just went i hate this movie annie hall (laughs) 
which I don't think I've ever actually seen. I've, I've never actually watched it all the way through. I, a, I am not a fan of uh, Woody Allen. I am definitely not a Woody Allen fan. Um, I, I have a disdain for this movie because it beat Star Wars in 1978 for the Oscar for Best Picture uh, in 1977. Okay. And to this day, it has me scratching my head. Grudge. Yeah, I, I hold a very, very hard grudge. I'm like, seriously? Um, nothing I've seen of that movie would, would uh, lead me down that path. But anyway. But so when that was Woody the one... makes the trench run at the end and hits it with the <laughs> for proton torpedoes, I mean. Yeah. So that was one where I was just missed, like. You know. yeah. that, one, that one baffled me uh, on the list. Nothing else really, I mean, as I, you know, just looking over the list in general, really just was a head scratcher there were a lot of them where i was like wow i i don't know that i would have went that way but um but nothing you know to the extreme that's probably good (laughs) yeah you know what's another one i i should have listed this on my alternate and i'm surprised it didn't it didn't show up at all um is star trek 2 the wrath of khan i'm doing 1982 now i just rewatched that that was uh, definitely a classic yeah, I I just you know talk about and there are other Star Trek movies that made the list. Star Trek Four made the list. Um, uh, First Contact made the list, but yeah, Star Trek Two did not make the list. Um, but yeah, what about what about you guys? Anything anything just kind of make you shake your head or raise your eyebrow or anything like that? I mean, I already mentioned on the HHW one, but I, I wouldn't say I hate the movie, but I just don't get why people love Blade Runner. And you guys have made your cases, don't get me wrong. It's just, it I don't see it, and I think that just has a lot to do with the time period and, uh, you know, I had had to be there type deal. But uh, off the top of my head, there was nothing on the list where I went, I hate this. The Matrix is one of those movies where I really like the lobby scene. I could take or leave the rest of the movie, or I could take the rest of the trilogy, really. Um, there's some cool fight scenes and a bunch of nonsensical uh, philosophy that sounds cool because it's being told from behind punches. But, uh, yeah, they don't really connect with me. But I don't hate them. I, I wouldn't go, oh, I'm never going to watch them again or anything like that. Um, it was Were any of the same Rami uh, Spider-Man movies on that list? The overall top 20? Or the overall check. top everything? Uh, Spider-Man 2 was... And that was it. See, I don't even know if I can say I hate that movie, but I strongly dislike it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was Spider-Man 2 was on two lists, um, but it was at the bottom, like, 109. So it, it ranked, you know, 14, 15 on, on a couple lists. I'll just, real quick, I'll run down 21 through 30, because I think, I think it's interesting to see what may... And the one thing that's interesting about what I'll say about 21 to 30 is the point differential between these is very negligible and most of it is just because it only made it on to two, two or three lists so the the, the margins were real thin um, and a lot of these kind of had like you know the same score so it would have been tough to, to really truly rank them um, but I'll go I'll go 21 to 30 here uh, North by Northwest Aliens The Godfather Part 2 Vertigo Rocky which was uh, Johnny M's number one um, Gross Point Blank, which I thought that was interesting that it ranked that high, to be honest with you. Yeah, no kidding. Um, E.T. Uh, I think that's Bride. Aaron. Isn't that Aaron Newer's favorite movie or something? Uh, E.T.? Like, no, uh, uh, Gross Point Blank. It was, let me, yeah, let me look at the... I think it's like one of his favorite movies. I just thought I'd mention that. 
E.T. Yeah, would we... definitely rank high on my very highly dislike movies list. <laughs> I do see. not like E.T. Didn't like it as a kid, don't like it now. Uh, E.T. is not on Aaron's list. Gross Point Blank is number two on Aaron's list. Yeah, I knew that was one yeah. of his favorite movies. Yeah. Um, the Princess Bride, number 28. Uh, Brad Milo's favorite, Fight Club, number 29. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Big Lebowski was number 30. That made it on two lists. So. Love that movie. Yeah. I had my first White Russian the other day. It was very yeah. delicious. So, yeah, and like I said, the, the point differential between number 21 and... Th- number 20, The Matrix came in with 32 points, and the number 30 movie, The Big Lebowski, came in at 25 points. So you could tell where it really started to get you know the, the the margins got pretty thin. You know as you got down, you know past twenty, it just it really got thinned out. And thank you again, Russ, for putting in all the work you did into collating everything and putting this all together, and providing lots of content for us. Yeah, like I said, tons tons of fun. I uh, unfortunately Johnny M couldn't be on with us, but I think we're going to be doing a really BS show here, uh, probably probably sometime this coming weekend uh, as you listen to this, or, or if, if um, very soon. If, if it's past the weekend. Um, and I think we'll probably get him to kind of run down some of his. He didn't have a chance uh, on the big show, uh, on the HHW show, rather, to uh, kind of expound on a lot of his stuff. I mean, granted, there's a lot of – there was some crossover between his, but I'd, I'd be curious for him to talk about, like, Rocky and um, Crank, know, some of the other – Crank 2, Crank 3, <laughs> The Transporter, The Transporter 2, The Transporter 3. Rambo, Rambo 1, Rambo 2, Rambo, I'm sorry. He has, spoiler alert, he enjoys the Stallone and the Statham movies. Yes, but funny enough, not too many of them actually are on his top 20, so. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious for him to kind of talk talk about his list in, in more detail. Um, so hopefully he can, he can do that very soon. So I guess that's it. Anybody else, anybody else have any final closing thoughts or should we uh, wrap this up? Go see more movies, people. Yeah, absolutely. And and let us know what you think. You know, head on over to the Facebook group. Go to facebook.com slash HHWLOD and, um, you know, check it out. And definitely, if you haven't checked out um, Half Hour Wasted 363, definitely go back and give that a listen um, for, the, for the overall top 20. It was a really great episode. And I mean, it, like I said, Jim, myself, Jordan, Johnny M kind of came and went. Um, but uh, Brad, Frank, and Bill, um, we just we just really had a good time putting that together. And, and it, I think it came out really well. It's it's one of my probably, since we're, we're talking about lists, it's probably one of my top five or uh, podcasting experience since we've been doing this. It, it just was a ton of fun uh, to, to go through that and talk with you guys about all that stuff. So I, I really, I really appreciated everybody's enthusiasm and nobody, uh, sent me death threats or, uh, you know, uh, put a bomb under my car or anything like that for making them uh, go through this exercise. So that was, that was awesome. Um, but like I said, head on over the Facebook page, head over to hhwlod.com. I plan on putting together an article, um, on all top 20 movies and hopefully I, I can get everybody to kind of give a little bit of blurb, um, to give a, a bit of a write-up. So if you just want to you know, be able to look at the list and kind of get our, our quick thoughts, I'm hoping the next week or so I'll have something up related to that. I've, I've started to, to piece that together slowly, but uh, but that would be great. Um, 
I will say head on over to iTunes if you'd be so kind and leave uh, some iTunes reviews for any of the shows on the network. If you go to iTunes and just search HHWLOD, you'll you'll come back with all the shows that we do on the network. Long Box of Doom, Half Hour Wasted, Walking Dead TV Podcast, Real Heroes, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, The Black Box. Um, John and I are doing this, this Bond uh, podcast called Shake and Not Stirred. Um, any iTunes reviews would be greatly appreciated. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us an email for Long Box of Doom at LOD at HHWLOD.com. Um, and until next time, uh, where I think we will start, we will continue down the Hickman FF path. I think that's, that's probably the next, uh, thing on our, our plate, which would be part three. And hopefully, um, hopefully I will be on it this time and, uh, and, and not, uh, we won't have any technical snafus, uh, like we unfortunately did last time. Knock on wood. Yes. So again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks Jim and Jordan for being on this week and, and indulging me further. (laughs) Not a problem. (laughs) Have a good week, everybody. So long.